This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for GoBundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. So happy to have a GoBundance Women's member here today. We've had quite a few on lately, and man, I learned so much from that side. Like I'm all in the men's group, but I'm learning from the women's group now, which is awesome. She is a renovation expert. I call her that. She may be a little bit more humble, but I think that's true. She is also the investment realtor. We're going to dive into what that means, but she is the investment realtor out there in the world of real estate agents. Exciting to have you today, Lenore Moore. Good to see you. Jamie, thank you so much for having me today. I look forward to this. Yeah, me too. This will be great. So let's start with a little bit of backstory. We talked about you being in uh, uh, sunny and beautiful Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Is that where your story began? Kind of give us the the backstory of you. Sure. Um, So I was in LA for 20 years, actually. Uh, I was in the movie business. I was in the entertainment business. And um, I got pregnant somewhere... Oh, about, well, 19 years ago on the 30th, I delivered my baby. So I got, I got pregnant and I decided I needed a house, right? So I was working at this advertising agency. I trans and I was running their broadcast and um, digital division. And I found a house in Pasadena, but it was this broken down house. I mean, it was bad. My friend was like, no, you're pregnant. Look at you. What are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I could renovate this house. I'll just find the right guys. Turned on the water in the kitchen and it shot out the back of the house. I was, it was just crazy. <laughs> like, not this one. I'm like, this is my house. So I hired two crews of guys, right? And every day I'd go to like Home Depot or the tile store or the kitchen place and I'd pick up things. And I just had this vision for what I wanted on how to renovate this house. And I got it done. I mean, I'm like, I want this wall down. I want to move this kitchen. I want to open up this space. I'm going to turn this into a bathroom. Let's put a a back door here. And I don't know how it came to me. It just sort of, it just became clear. It was a vision. And that's what I did because I had to, right? So I got through it. I was at Home Depot sometimes till midnight, you know, and like my belly's huge at this point. And there's like, like, they're saying, "What what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm renovating this house. So you know, that happened and I ended up selling it for a really good profit when I moved back East to be with my family to, to raise my daughter. And so um, I said to myself, I kind of filed it away in the back of my mind and I've always done marketing and branding along with television and some digital side of the, of the business. And so when it was time for me to start looking at what I wanted to do again with the rest of kind of the next phase of my life, um, I decided it was renovating houses. So I took a course uh, fortune builders actually it was and and I, I just I, I'm a big believer in education so I, I really took a deep dive into that education piece of it um, and I had a partner in the project and so we kind of went through this whole process and I go big right <laughs> so okay I'm armed what do I need I'm trying to figure out this private money lender situation how do I buy things with other people's money um, so I went big on the renovation side. And at one point I had four renovations going two in New Jersey and two in Pennsylvania. And, you know, I'm a big systems person and processes. And, and uh, so I got these contractors involved. It was crazy. It was a crazy time. I learned a ton through failure, right? So the two big ones in New Jersey, I popped the top off of the little ranch and we built a second level and created this huge colonial. It all sounds great. Like I worked all my numbers, everything worked, except for the contractor wasn't quite as honest about his skill set and what he could do. Oh boy. Yeah. So here we are into these huge projects. And he's starting to fail on his side. And then the, so I started to drive out to New Jersey while the other two were still going on. And the, the, one of those started getting off track and I was like, oh my gosh. So the takeaway was I got to run through 13 or 14 subs under me and learned about so much when it came to construction. And, and I really started to understand um, 
what it takes, you know, to when somebody walks in and, and you're looking at your, your lead contractor and I, I look up at there's three bays in the ceiling and I'm thinking, okay, plumbing, electrical, HVAC. Well, there's only two bays. And I looked at the contractor and say, how are you going to fit all three in those two bays? And he's like, I don't know. That's for the subs to figure out. You're like red sirens going off in your head. No, that's your job. So I started to just pick up a lot of, information. I'd ask every plumber, I'd bring in three plumbers and ask them the same question. And I'd see how they answered it and how it was always different. And then I started to figure out what worked and what didn't work and, you know, how to water line break out to the street on one property, took that information and used it for the next property. Well, we have to open it up same day, get the permit, get the guy over here, do this. And he's like, have you done this before? And I said, yes, (laughs) I have done this. And now I know a better way to do it. So it's been a lot of learning on that renovation side. And that's really where I started was being an investor myself and started to figure out how that worked. Wow. Wow. How many, so how many properties did you have to go through to get to that level of expertise or was it just those, I mean, like popping the top off a ranch is a big renovation. I'm sure you learned a lot just in that one, but like give it for me, like a sense of how long does it take to get to the point where you're comfortable enough for somebody to go, you've been through this before. Is it just a one, like you do it once, you know, now, or did you have to go through it like iteratively? Sure. I mean, that, that number was probably number seven or eight that we popped the top on that one. So I'd already gone through several to learn. Um, you know, on a smaller scale. So I was, you know, I'm, I'm still pretty much of a big risk taker, but it's still a calculated risk. And all the number, like I said, all the numbers worked, everything worked with some cushion. Um, but it, it, you know, I'm on what, how many have I done? 29, something like that now, renovation wise, and you're still learning, you know, but it, I, and I, and I tried different, different types of um, approaches when it came to contractors, because that's really the key. The contractor's the key. And so I tried where I buy all the materials. Well, then I found out that they just waste all your money, right? Because they don't care. You're buying the materials. And I would go to job sites and literally pack up my Infinity or my Lexus with all these supplies for Home Depot and drive them back and get the money back. So I, I did that a couple of times and then realized, no, if I, if I, if I do a budget where it's all-inclusive um, labor and materials are all factored in there. And they're watching that they're taking supplies from other jobs and they're being very efficient with how they spend their money when it comes to the materials. So things like that, that I learned and you just constantly evolve on that. And do you bring in one guy and everybody's underneath him? Usually that's the best way to do it. Otherwise, if you're running all the subs, they all point like this when there's a problem and say, yeah. he did it, you know? And so um, it, it's, it's still a process. I, I would say, you know, new construction is a whole nother ball of wax. Like we got into a little bit of new construction when we popped that top off because you're, you know, you're building the entire second floor. So there's a lot of new construction in that, um, but new construction is a whole different animal. Um, so I've done just redevelopment. Uh, wow. Still learning. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I always are. And it's something that, that pops up a lot, uh, you know, for whoever's listening out there that might be, you know, hearing and listening to go this, this podcast, go abundance tribe of millionaires, all of that, because you learned about it and maybe off of a bigger pockets podcast. And it's like, Oh, this is interesting too. For those that haven't started, I think what your story speaks to is the idea that you don't know until you do, right? Like you had to do a deal, learn from it, learn from the next one, learn from the next one. You're 29 in and you're still learning, like you said, uh, yeah. but it takes that first, second, third, fifth, seventh sometimes uh, uh, deal to figure out what you're supposed to do on the next one. It takes a while to get there. So that makes sense. It really does. And it's about aligning with the right people Yeah. in anything, in business, you know, in any business situation, it's about aligning with the right people. And I did find one contractor where I actually created a partnership with them. So I created a whole new LLC and I said, okay, here's our deal. Um, I, I tested a month on three properties first that we renovated together. And I was like, Oh, I think I found my guy. So he, he would buy all the materials, have it all loaded up in the, in the house. He was buttoned up. He was hitting his schedules and his, you know, he was hitting everything. We did change orders a couple of times. I signed off on them. I increased schedules and, um, the amount of money that I was spending. So everything was running really well. And I said, you know what, on the next one, how about if you don't take a salary, or, you know, your weekly draw, but actually you'll get 30% of the net profit at the end. So he sat down, wrote down the numbers. He's like, you know what, I'll, 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 I'll do better. Right. And I said, yeah, you could, you could get a little bit more creative with your budget and your time and you can actually make more money. So when I, when I did the first one, I was like, 
holy crap, I made more money on that one than I made on any of the other ones that I had done before. This is after you paid him a percentage, you mean? Yeah, after I paid him a percentage. So our budget, our overall budget was lower. So I didn't have to borrow as much money for the construction piece of it. And at the end, and he was motivated to come in as low as he could because he's an owner now. Mm -hmm. So that worked really well. He actually said to me on the next one, can we do 60-40? I ran all my numbers on the next one. I said, let's do it. So I did two more at 60-40. Again, made more money than I had made on the other ones. So I created a company, an LLC with a 60-40 split. And then, so we've sort of missed that one piece of what happened in between there before I met him. And then when, I, when everything happened in New Jersey <laughs> and those two properties were going on in Pennsylvania and I was losing money, like I lost a lot of money in 2018, a lot of money and um, learned a lot. It was just a, an expensive lesson. Let's say that um, I decided I was, I remember I had the covers over my head. I was laying in bed. I was like crying. I was like, Oh my God, how did you get here? This is crazy. And then I was like, stand up. What are you going to do about it? What do you need? You need education. And so I became a realtor. And when I became a realtor, it, it deepened my knowledge in another area, which was um, figuring out how much that ARV was going to truly be when I was done. Cause that was one problem I had with a realtor and one of them that I had done in Bethlehem. So when I became that realtor, that opened up a whole new world for me too. It opened up deals and opportunities. And then I had a lot of people coming to me saying, Hey, can you help me? Can you teach me how to be, you know, a, a, an investor? You know, I'm also a realtor. I want to buy some investment properties. And I realized there was this huge need for investors to have a realtor who knew how to run this process and exactly how to um, help investors and guide investors in this space. And so when Brian and I had partnered on um, the 60-40 split, now I'm buying this properties. I have sort of a back back door deal system going on where I have certain realtors coming to me and saying, Hey, you, you, uh, you work with investment properties, right? Are you interested in this? Are you interested in that? I'm like, Oh my gosh. So it opened up this whole idea. And then of course I'm selling all of our properties on the back end and getting my realtor fee. Right. So it, it was, it, it just changed the whole game. Once I became a realtor, I had now two two streams of income, which actually turned into three or four streams of income because as a realtor also, I had some of my clients who were investors who were buying in the area. They'd say, well, I want to buy a value add property so I could set up my contracting side of the business and have his construction company. Our company would hire his company and we would take a project management fee, he'd get another percent, another 40% out of that project management fee, which was put into our operating budget. So mm-hmm. now I'm, you know, I'm so my investors are buying properties, we're doing construction over there. Our company that we formed was taking, you know, a project management fee of 15%. And then I was selling and buying all their real estate. So it was just this amazing kind of machine that I had started to, <laughs> to work. So well, this brings us to you being the investment realtor. So as I understand it, you're kind of on I, my initial thought was, oh, okay, you work with investors. I get that. But there's sort of two prongs to this, to your point, like you work with investors. Yes. You teach and help. And I know you have a passion for that. We'll talk about that here in a second, but you also are known within your industry as uh, an investor yourself. So you're able to procure deals from other realtors who don't know what to do with a certain type of property. And then you then get to list it and sell it as a realtor to, you know, a, a retail buyer, I guess, on the back end. Is that my, am I framing that right? That's correct. You know, and so I'll have realtors who come to me for a couple of reasons. You know, sometimes I had one realtor come to me and she said, Lenore, I've got this building. I don't know what to do with it. Um, can I pay you? to consult with me so I can help position it and how I'm going to position the use for the building, how much I should price it at for this building. Um, and are you interested in buying this building? Right. So there's a couple things that I can do. And so I sat down with her. I, I did all those, those things with her and she felt so much more comfortable. She felt so much more educated and yeah. going to her client with the information I gave her. And she's like, okay, how much do I owe you? I'm like, nothing. You don't owe me anything you know, thank you for coming to me and letting me be of service to you. I said, but I do want to see that building to see if I want to buy it. So I got to have first look and I went through it with her and I showed her certain things that I would be looking at as an investor. Um, So it just opens up a whole, 
you know, a whole new door for me that I can then now I have a different construction side of my business going on on my renovation side. And now I can keep feeding those guys. So those guys now I'm trying to bring on weekly uh, project manager. I have a lead contractor. I'll have him have an assistant um, looking for an, you know, executive admin on that side of the business. So, you know, I, I, I need to feed that. I just, I just bought, I just yesterday inked my 10th deal in the last six months of buying investment properties for my company, Pure Light Properties. So Pure Light Properties buys the renovations, Pure Light reinvests, you know, capital R, capital E invest. So I work on with real estate investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my investment side. That's another LLC that I have as a realtor. So I have both of those companies going on sort of one feeding the other one. What, what is the value proposition you offer? Like, so I'm an investor, right? I want to buy, I want to buy property. Um, I want to learn how to do this. And yeah, like, you know, I go to my, you're right. You go to a regular, pull an agent off of Zillow. They have no idea. In fact, they're probably going to swear you off of some of the types of properties that you're looking at as an investor, because like, ah, you know, um, what is the value property? What strengths do you have or what value do you offer to somebody who's looking to, you know, buy real estate that's, you know, obviously on market or at least that you're finding for them, um, to invest as an investment property? Yeah, great question. Um, so there's a couple of things. So immediately when somebody calls me and I have been getting these calls from guys saying, Hey, I heard about you on bigger pockets. And I'm like, who's talking about me on bigger pockets. I don't know, but thank you. If anybody out there's saying anything. Um, so they'll call me up and, and I'll start saying, you know, well, what's your background? So I'll just walk them through what I've done as an investor. And and then I get into, you know, let me ask you some questions. You know, are you more interested in cap rate? Are you interested in cash flow, monthly cash flow? Are you are you looking at longer term investments? And I start drilling into what, you know, what is their investment goal or their investment plan? And, and, and as soon as I start asking those questions, then I'll start peppering it in with some of the things that I've come across. And there, there's, you know, all of a sudden they're like, um, I've been looking for you, like somebody like you, I've saved all this money. And, you know, I'm really looking for somebody to take care of this investment. And how, how can, you know, I, I really want to make sure I'm making the right investment. And, and it, it really seals the deal when I, when I meet somebody on a property and we walk up and, and I, I always stand outside the property first. And like, you want to go in? I'm like, nope, all the money's on the outside. Mm. So I stand outside and I say, let's look at the roof first. We want to know that's a big expense. So let's, First thing you want to do is get that thing dry, right? So we're gonna we're gonna back up, we're gonna take a look at the roof. I'm gonna walk around, I'm gonna look at the, the chimney, I'm gonna look at the brick pointing on the chimney, I'm gonna look at the gutter system on the top uh, and how it flows down and how those downspouts are coming down. Look at the brick and the foundation. Do we have any vertical cracks? Vertical cracks don't bother me, the horizontal ones do, you know. They're like, what? There's a crack right here. That's fine. You know, we quarter inch on each side, hydraulic cement. This side, we dig down to make sure it's not going too deep. We look inside the building not a problem. I said, these are things that other investors are looking at. They're like, oh, there's water in the basement. I love water in the basement. I love it. I walk mm. I'm like, yes, water in the basement. Cause I know how to fix it. It's always a drain, especially here in Pennsylvania back in the day, right? They would take those gutters and they'd bury them into the cement. Right. And then yeah. they'd run it outside to the, well, it always fails at some point. First thing I do, cut those things off, fill up a bag of cement. So when I walk up to a building, and I identify a corner and I say, see this corner? Remember when we go in the basement, there's going to be water right there. Mm. When we walk down to that basement and there's water in that corner, they're like, what? And I'm like, I can fix that. You can fix that easily. <laughs> Somebody else is walking down here saying, oh my God, water in the basement. And I'm like, yes, water in the basement. Um, so it's when I walk around and I say, you know, we talk about capital expenditures versus maintenance. If you get it leased up and you have, you know, you have tenants in there and then you're working on certain things. Those are maintenance. You can write that off hundred percent if it's capital expenditures over 27 and a half years, you know, and I'm just trying to just guide, lead and educate as much as I can. Mm. Cause at first, you know, I went from, this is kind of a weird non sequitur, but my job right before I started these businesses was I was at uh, United way, which is in my eyes, one of the best nonprofits in the world. And I was their brand expert. I ran their marketing communication side of the business. So I got to be this public servant to the community and meet all the people in need. And so I met the leaders of all of our companies and organizations. I met these people, man. And so they're just, it was just an amazing opportunity 
And so for me, I kept saying when I went into real estate, like, did I sell out for the money? Like, was it just about the money? And it was never that about me. It's never been like that about me in my life. So I had a hard time until I realized, I'm like, no, you can serve people by guiding, leading, and educating real estate, help them build long-term sustainable wealth, a legacy for their family, you know, something that, that they can count on, that they can pour their money and their time back into something that they can touch and feel and, and really have some security. And um, once I figured that out, that's when I was like, okay, now let's go. Right. At first I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't find that, that place of, of passion and understanding of why I was doing this, you know, moving into this space where in real estate, you make a lot of money, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm all about contribution and giving back, you know, and um, I started tithing this year, you know, 10% of my gross dollar earned. And that's amazing when you can sit down and say, okay, I have this chunk of money. Who, who is it going to go to? Um, so I'm finally getting into alignment with my heart and my business. Which... I like that. Well, yeah, it's true. Like, you know, it, it's, it's all about having a purpose, right? Like, so you, you, for you, you defined your purpose and you're just using real estate as the vehicle to bring that gift to the world, what your gifts are, what all of that is and how you serve others. Cause at the end of the day, the more you serve others, the more money you're going to make. And you're, you're seeing that, right. And now you're able to tithe and do other things that maybe you couldn't before, because you're literally just locked into the most purposeful use of you in the real estate industry. Fair. What's going on, everybody? It's Jamie. I'm jumping in real quick here because some people are listening to this podcast thinking, man, I hear this guest. I hear what they're talking about. This whole go abundance thing sounds pretty cool. I'd love to be a part of that. And I would say to you, if you are qualified to be part of GoBundance, you're a millionaire or accredited at the very least, jump on to GoBundance.com and just put your application in. You'll get on a call. It might even be with me where we can talk about what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish, and what it is to be part of this community in depth. Would love to have a conversation with you about that. It's been just so life-changing for me. And for those of you out there that are saying, yeah, sounds great. I would if I were a millionaire or if I were accredited, but I'm not there yet. We've got that now. We've built a program and I run it. I love, love being a part of it. I left my job for it called Emerge and Ascend. Emerge is where you got to start. It's a 12-week intensive sprint goal-setting course. You're going to get curriculum every week. You're going to get live intervention every week. You're going to get connection with GoBundance members every week. You're going to get accountability from like-minded people every week. Jump into that, kill it, and we invite you to Ascend, which is essentially the GoBundance Mastermind without the million-dollar requirement. And we actually even add in coaching to help folks find their purpose, their mission, their values. It's intense. It's, it's everything all wrapped in one. So again, if you're a millionaire or you're at least accredited and you're wondering about this GoBundance thing and that should I, shouldn't I, just apply. Throw your name in. You lose nothing. All you do is put your name into an application form. You get on a phone call and then you decide. If you're not yet at that million dollar mark, look at Emerge. GoBundance.com slash Emerge. And what you can do as well is drop my name in there, Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, and we'll knock 200 bucks off the tuition for Emerge. Jump in there and we'll get you started on your journey toward being a whole life millionaire, toward getting to GoBundance, whatever you want. People in Emerge, people in Ascend, people in GoBundance all report back often the changes it's made in their lives financially, relationally, and everywhere else. So go to GoBundance.com, check all of that out, see wherever you are, dive into that particular area of GoBundance, and we'd love to see you inside of the tribe. Now, back to our show. There, Jamie. Well said. Thank you. What I'm here for the the host job is just to kind of like help consolidate and direct and just, just, no, you know, like a awesome. like a duck boat operator or something like that's kind of what I do. I've always wanted to go on a duck boat. Try I was gonna say you're in Pennsylvania. How have you not? I I lived in Boston. I've been on like nine of them. So you got to go on one. So we we had a little go abundance outing, right? The women, my 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 pod, we travel around and we do property crawls in the different cities across the United States, where the nine members were in different places, and we were in Boston up at uh, Lisa, Alicia and, and Justin Jarbo's place. Oh we're, yeah, the duck boat. We couldn't get a hold of one, so yeah. Really? Oh man. Boats. I, I mean, maybe, maybe we should do like, duck boats you can live on, right? I mean, that'd be a hell of an Airbnb. That's what I'm saying. That'd be a hell of an Airbnb. I like that. That's actually one of those like live in a tree house or like, you know, uh, on top of your neighbor's shed type of Airbnbs that people get all like, I'll pay a thousand bucks a night to live in 
you know, a, a shoebox off the off the highway, and I don't know, whatever. But uh, boat Airbnb, we're starting a new business, Jamie. I like, I like it. it. I like it. That's what that's what we do. But no, the the duck boat thing. Like, I could probably give you. I could probably. I could probably do it with you. You don't even have to get on the boat. I, I know the tour so well by now. You and me, we'll we'll do it. I'll give you where where Malcolm X worked, uh, the hotel where Ho Chi Minh uh, was a was a waiter. I, I got it all. I got it all down. Uh, can't so. wait. I'm I'm gonna hold you to it. I'm coming. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I touched on this. I was looking at my notes and everything, and if I did, I apologize. But you, going back, and this is like completely out of order. But Hollywood, you were in Hollywood. You said you were in the entertainment industry. What, what did you do in the entertainment industry? Are you allowed to say that face almost, if you're watching on the video, her face almost said like, don't ask me, don't ask me that. But what, what, what yeah, No, no, it's, it's fine. Um, Hollywood. So I worked for a couple of the studios. So I worked for Paramount, Fox, TriStar, Columbia. Am I missing one? Probably. Anyway, so it was, it was a couple of years of, um, I started in PR moved into production, television production. I was actually on the Highlander. Remember the Highlander TV series? Totally dating myself. But yeah, we had a Highlander TV series. And then I moved into film and television. And we started out, we were one of the first people to have a, a what we called new media, a new media division. And nice. so it was with John Taplin. And um, we were, we got a deal with Fox where we were there. So I did TV development, film development, my sort of creme de creme de la creme job was at paramount where i had an office on the paramount lot and so my job was production all the way from the, like script development all the way through production all the way through post-production and it was my dream job because that's how i think my brain works it's like i'm half right numbers i love numbers but then i love that creative piece and so real estate's like that right it's all like creative you look at a building what's my vision what's my strategy well there's yeah there's relatability there because t- did you cross paths with tamar while you were tamar hermes yeah. while you were in la of course yeah i love tamar no but i mean like were you working in the no. same space like because she's hollywood the whole thing as well no i mean we've never crossed paths until go abundance Gotcha. And then there's Mark Henteman on the men's side, who's a, a writer for Family Guy, writer for Ted, Ted 2, and all that stuff, right? So he's, but he has 120 million in assets under management, and he's a partner of mine. So, so it's funny how like there's this, this uh, uh, Hollywood background that leads to real estate thing that's happening between the, the men's and women's tribes. It was just interesting to me. Like you're the third person in, short time, in a short time that has a Hollywood background, but you know, somehow found their way to real estate. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating. Um, I wish I had got into to real estate more when I was in Hollywood because man, the prices are so much higher. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's Being crazy. a realtor, that would have been that would have been an amazing kind of launching pad. But you know, it, it happens the way it's supposed to happen, right? That organic piece of your life, and then it you does. just look back and say, "This is why I'm here." Well, I don't believe in regret, right? Like your story is your story. It's perfect. Yeah. It is what it is. I mean, sure. I look at guys in the GoBundant side are like 31 years old worth 10 million. I'm like, what, what the hell? What was I doing at 31? I don't even know if I, I still was in diapers, I think, but they're still doing, you know, like they're doing amazing things and you can't help but compare a little bit. And you kind of, when you get away from envy and over to appreciation, it definitely helps, but uh, it is amazing. It just depends on when it clicks for you or when, on when it, it resonates for you and your story is your story. So I love that. Speaking of, let's dive into some GoBundance uh, level stats. We're going to go through the one sheet a little bit, uh, pillar by pillar, and see if, uh, if we can learn a little bit more about you. So let's start with the horizontal income pillar. If you don't mind sharing, what is your horizontal income a year and how many lines of income is that? Just your best guess if you don't know right off. Um, so I, I usually do my numbers every week, so I should know my horizontal numbers. Um, when So I just bought 10 new properties. I yeah. Think- telling you before I just bought 10 new properties so I have a total of 15 properties and about 22 doors right now um six of those are in construction oh wow so I've been doing the whole burr method on these I've had they're all off market somebody came to me hey I do you ever buy hoarder houses you know yeah. So, you know, I, I bought that at $50,000 renovating it and I'll be able to either sell it, but I'm going to keep it and rent it, but it'd be worth like two fifty. Mm. You know, so those are the kinds of opportunities I've been coming across. Um, so I have 22 doors. And then I also, you know, Keller Williams has a great way to invest in title shares and insurance shares with the company. So I just got my quarterly, I own five title shares for the title company and I just got a, a quarterly profit of $2,000. And I think I paid $2,000 when I got into it. You know, I mean, 
it's a, it's a great return on the investment. So I have the same opportunity for uh, the insurance side of the business. I'm just waiting for the buy-in. There's also a profit share model here. So every time I bring in an agent under me and they name me as their sponsor, there's profit share. So I see about, um, I would say per quarter, you know, another thousand thousand dollars per quarter on that. Mm-hmm. So not a huge amount of um, horizontal income. My, my largest source is really, um, is really the uh, the real estate side, real estate. and I've been buying crypto and stocks. So, ah. are, are yeah. you are you are you an early adopter of crypto, or are you more recent? Well, I I remember standing in line at the beach and saying it was in July two years ago, and somebody's like, "I can't believe she's paying with cash. Who uses cash, right?" And I'm like, "I had to go buy that crypto stuff." So that day, Bitcoin was at was at ten thousand dollars. Gotcha. I'm like, I don't know where it's going. So I put a thousand dollars into Bitcoin. So 0.1 of a, of a Bitcoin, but thank God. Right. So now I've just been kind of building on that and Ethereum and Solana and Cardano. And um, what else do I have? I, oh, I just bought Shiba Inu, which went 5X on me. Yeah. Shiba Inu just 5X on me in the last uh, two weeks. Like that's crazy. Wow. So I, I pay enough attention to it that, you know, I feel like it's, it's definitely the wave of the future and it's got to be the best one I have. So there it goes. I'm a more recent adopter of, uh, of, of crypto. And it's funny. I bought, uh, I don't know, like 10,000 in Ethereum a few months ago. And like the next day it was worth like 6,000 just right away. Right. It went right down and then it craw- crawled its way back up and I'm, I'm, I'm in the green on it, but I just recently bought a, a full coin, one Bitcoin at like, it was like 60,000 for one coin. Uh, Damien Lupo who's in the GoBundance men's side was been pushing me and pushing me. I'm like, all right, I guess like I should have bought it 30. I should have, I should have bought it 10. Right. But I should have bought a long time ago, but the moment I bought it, it drops to 58. So that's my history of crypto. When I buy crypto, it drops immediately hey, after. Do me a favor. Call me when you're buying something. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, this way you'll know, like, don't buy yeah. then buy about two days later. It'll yeah, be two days low. later. Just give me a call. But it looks like it's coming back, which I'm happy about. So yeah, uh, I, should, I should be good. So, all right, cool. So that's, uh, that's the horizontal income pillar. Let's go over to the age defying health pillar. Uh, what does diet and exercise look like for you? Yeah, I lived in LA for 20 years, right? So diet was always key. It was much easier out there. Um, I'm a high protein and veggie person. I don't eat a lot of uh, gluten or watch my sugar intake, but you know, wine, yes. Well, there'll be wine and some drinks, some martinis. Um, And then as far, and lots of water, like I pound water all day long. I think that's a, a big part of it. Um, exercise wise, I joined a great gym. So I'm doing like these, uh, hit classes and, you know, abs, guts and glory. I don't know what these classes are, but they get me up at, you know, 5 45 AM, 6 AM. And, and I'll go through that maybe three to four times a week. I was doing five to six times a week and then I'll walk, you know, those other days or do a walk run on the other days. And I love to hike, love to be outside. And Oh, and my kayak, right. There I am. (laughs) So (laughs) love it. Love the kayak. So it's important. It's always been really important to me. Um, health and vitality and, you know, take probiotics and enzymes and vitamins every day. And I don't, I don't take anything else really. Like I don't even take like a Motrin or anything for anything like that. Oh, wow. Even if you have a headache. It has to be a really bad headache. I don't really get headaches very often, but yeah, it would have to be, you know, I just don't like to put it in my body. So I, I'm not crazy about it. If you need, you know, medicine, you need medicine, but I try not to, not to do that. Well, plus you're, you're a woman, which means you've been through things like pregnancy, that a headache is nothing to you for a guy. I, I can have like a little stress headache above my eyebrow. I'm down for the count. Three, three ibuprofen. I mean, I, I have no tolerance like my wife yeah. does, or I'm sure you do for pain. So yeah, I, I chose the natural birth delivery route. So that was interesting. Ooh. That's a, wow. that's a mind over matter thing, right? Like, you- well, and this is a, an interesting, but good segue. Cause I want to talk about family. And it's funny when you, when you talked earlier, you said I got pregnant, I'm going to assume that it didn't just randomly, like, you know, divinely happen. So tell me yeah. about family. What does that look like? Uh, married, not married kids, all of that stuff. Yeah. So um, I've had an interesting go about when it comes to relationships and family. It's definitely not typical. Um, 
so I got pregnant, but I wasn't planning it. Mm. It was not a planned thing. It was actually a one night thing. And I'm like, what? I said, mm. I was praying for a big change in my life. And I'm like, I didn't mean that. I was like, come on. Uh, so yeah. So I, I did this single parent thing for, you know, probably eight years. And when she turned two is when I moved back East. So I moved back East when she turned two and I actually got married when she was eight. Um, and then just now getting divorced, uh, you know, about nine years later. So, um, February, but you know, I I don't, I don't have any regrets about that marriage. It was just, um, we were sort of growing to that different place. Like I started coming into my power again of who I was and what I wanted and what I saw from my kind of bigger life. And I wanted to grab it big. Oh, grab life big Grab life big. comes from. Um, but I, that's, that was the feeling I had. And so I knew that, you know, in order for us to continue on with the paths that we wanted to go on, it couldn't be together. So at, at my, my daughter is amazing. Uh, she's turning 19 on the 30th of October. She chose to go to Boca Raton to FAU to Florida. Mm. for college so I just dropped her off in August and that was a big deal I mean she's been the consistent thing in my life you know for the last almost 19 years and so it's I'm amazed at her she's beautiful and interesting and funny and smart and she's hugely social so she's she's having a great time down in Florida very proud of her um and so I'm just looking at, as Julie Gates, who's in my pod says, I want to see what Lenore 2.0 looks like. I'm like, me too. <laughs> well, can we talk? I want to talk about that. If you don't mind, just to dive into sure. that a little bit, because I think that happens a lot. We talked earlier about, uh, uh, you know, whatever your, your time is, the 31 year old, you know, $10 million yeah. guy or gal. And you're like, well, I didn't figure things out at 31. You figure it out later. And I like how you put it in two ways, coming into your own Lenore 2.0. That's great. What, if you don't mind me sharing, what, what in the relationship caused that diversion? Like, what was the direction you were, I mean, I know the direction you were going, what was the direction he was going in? And is there any, are there any lessons? And this is more for the audience. Are there any lessons relationally that you look back on and, and, and would do differently or think is, you know, advice you would give now that you've lived through what you've lived through? Is there anything that you would extract or, you know, what, I guess it starts with like, if you don't mind sharing to the extent you you share, like what might've caused that, that, that need for you to go in your own direction? And then is there anything that you would share that you learned about that, that, you know, you or he could have done differently or that the relationship could have, uh, could have survived in, in a different way? I'm just kind of curious. Wow. Yeah. Great questions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jamie, dig it right in there. I was going uh, for it. I like it. Um, so first of all, so I was married to a woman. Right. So oh, it's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. But I was married to a woman and, and it's, it's, in, it's one of those things where you, you know, it's, it's uh, I've dated both men and women and I didn't think I was going to marry a woman, but I did. And there's a lot of great things that came out of that marriage. And then, you know, just, I've, I've always been the, you know, I fall in love with a person. And, and so I'm, I'm not sure where, where I'm going to be headed next. Mm. I can tell you that relationship started to hit its demise when the business, when we started the business mm. and um, it really tests who you are and kind of, if you do have exactly the same goals, because our, we had very strong morals and principles, very principled people, both of us, you know, and committed people. But when it came to that business boy and that partnership, that's where you really start to like pull apart the fabric um, and take a look at what somebody wants and what somebody's willing to do. And it didn't feel like partnership in business. There was some iniquities that were going on there. And so I, and then I found to, I, I was finding myself in a way that I felt like I lost a bit. I'd made myself a little bit smaller. I had dimmed my light just a little bit in order to be in relationship to make everybody around me feel okay. And it was actually uh, Tony Robbins, Unleash the Power Within. I went to a UPW in 2019, November 2019. And I remember like, oh my gosh, I have to get a divorce. Like I knew that I just wasn't living my my full self. And I knew that the relationship couldn't support that. And it became evident through the business and looking at, you know, our relationship and some of the things that we're missing that we're just never going to be there. And, um, and it's just, I'm, I'm, I was looking for something different and I realized that we couldn't make one another happy. And that's the point where you say, okay, 
<laughs> there's somebody out there who can make you happy. There's somebody out there who can make me happy. There's somebody who's more in alignment with what I'm looking for in my life and that, that big life that I'm looking for. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, there's, I, I have a vision, you know, and I have a vision and if it's this, I keep seeing this guy, right. I keep seeing the same guy in my head. I don't know, but I, I feel like I want to find somebody that you have to have that long-term you're going to the same place and you have that, that big vision because that big vision, man, it gets tested so often. You know, you get knocked down and you stand back up again. You get knocked down, you stand back up again. And not everybody stands back up, you know, and you have to find somebody who is willing to stand back up with you, hold your hand, pull you back up, you pull them back up. And when that happens, that's like magic. You know, that's when you realize that you can have anything you want to have and really feel super supported. That's amazing. I I can feel you on that. You know, I can feel the, the, the energy from you on that, which is incredible. Uh, and my apology earlier was for the assumption. So my no, apology for that. It's fine. What is your vision? What is this big vision? You, if you're if you're comfortable sharing, what what yeah. even elements of it? What's the big vision you have for your life? Um, <laughs> we're gonna go really big because I do see that like marriage on a on an island where you know it's like two people who really aren't afraid to go big on their success, come together and have a successful group of people around them, family and friends that, you know, it's like you're, you're, whether you're living, uh, you know, island hopping or you're, you own a bunch of Airbnbs around the world, uh, but you're always supporting whatever community you're in or in continuing to support your team and the people that got you there, right? Because there's people that we need, we can't get there alone. So, you know, how do you support that vision for that team and say like my contractor this morning, I just went to the courthouse and stood up in front of this judge as his witness and said, this is a man I got all teary at. I was like, this is a man who I've counted on for years. And, and I know I believe in him. I just need for him to believe in himself and your honor, please putting him in jail is not going to help him, you know, so he's going to get house arrest. Um, and the lawyer walked out and he goes, because of you, this guy's, you know, he's not going to go to jail for, he was going to go for two years in maximum prison. Wow. Because this is fourth DUI. And I know why he's like got depression and anxiety and all kinds of things. But if I can help him, and help him. I know what his vision and his goal is in life. So if I'm working and I'm, I'm married to somebody, we have that same vision where we can lift up people, we can support people, we can live this life of, of travel and giving back to the communities and really feel like every day you wake up and you're like, yeah, let's go. You know, what are we going to do today? Who are we going to affect today? You know, what, what are we going to, what are we going to grab onto today and make a difference? Um, it's really what I'm looking for. And it takes a lot of bravery to do that, right? It takes a lot of, um, it takes being humble. It takes being brave and it, and it takes somebody to really look at themselves and know themselves to, in order to, to live that kind of life. In my opinion. How does, no, it's how, how does, if at all, and this is just from my own background, I'm wondering I was once uh, engaged, called it off about three weeks before the wedding happened. Right. And, uh, and I, I remember my mother saying to me this, and she was right. Like you need to be something with somebody that doesn't need to be with you. Somebody independent codependence doesn't work for you. Um, and she's right. I met my wife and my wife does not need me. She could do whatever she wants. And I'm so glad she's here, but, uh, but she does not need me. I don't need her. Right. Not in that way. I mean, we have needs of each other, obviously, but, but there's, there's, uh, there's a sense of independence there. Does that play in at all for you? Is that, does that land at all for you? I'm curious. hundred percent, hundred percent, you know, and I've realized that I've been drawn to these introverts, right. That sort of yin and yang, but I, I, I fully, fully believe like that extroverted part of me. I just love that being with somebody who's an extrovert, who, you know, you walk into a room and you're like, Hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you. How can I help you? You know, you're standing on the street corner, you turn to somebody you don't know, and you start talking to them. And then that random conversation turns into something amazing. Right. So I love that extroverted nature in somebody. And I believe that's an independence, you know, and knowing I'm not a jealous person, you know, I could see somebody across the room and we don't have to hang out together. Right. You, you have to have that independence, uh, but I do like, I, I love somebody who can really mix and mingle and just 
like embrace humanity no matter where you're at. Cause I think that's where, you know, that's where all that like love sits, like the love of the world, right. Where I see humanity, it makes me like teary eyed because I'm like that person helping that person who doesn't know them. Right. And if, again, there's so many people who shy away from helping somebody because they're afraid of whatever that result is going to be. I'm looking for people who are willing to step in and help. Mm. Uh, to lend that hand. So amazing. No, thanks for going deep on that with me. Cause I know that's uh, that's obviously an emotional topic for you. It's not, it's still raw. I mean, it's what seven, eight months old that, uh, that this was finalized. It sounds like, but in 2019, that means there was, you know, a couple of years that you were going through that. So um, incredible, but I, I took a ton away. So thank you for that. Uh, let's switch over to contribution. Do you, you mentioned about tithing. Is it, is, is that your primary motive of contribution now, or are there other ways that you do financially? Or, I mean, you talk about helping people with vision to me, that's major contribution, but just kind of uh, sum it up for me, like from a contribution standpoint, where do you give? What do you give? How do you give? Um, sure. Thanks for asking. So, uh, you know, when, when I started to give that, that $1 gross, <laughs> like I was like, really first dollar gross, you're giving 10%. That was a big major push, but then it just felt so uncomfortable at first, but it, you know, as soon as you start doing it after a while, after a couple months, you just, it goes right off the top and you don't even think about it. And what's left is what was what's left. Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked at, you know, United Way has, has a Tocqueville program and, and, you know, you get to be with other people who are donating at that level. Um, so that's really neat because you get to interact with them and also give back to the community. Uh, so then I have just my church. I give a lot to my church. And then also I picked out Brian, this contractor of mine who was going to prison. His electric bill is like $2,300 behind. So I took it out of the tithing fund and I gave it to him. Yeah. And, and it changed his whole attitude, everything. Like the his project manager goes, he's a different guy. What happened? I'm like, I paid his electric bill. He's been living in his house for three weeks without electric and his 17 year old son. So, wow, what a neat way to like give it back. Mm. But also I'm on the board of center for humanistic change. I'm on the United ways uh, marketing committee. Um, on my local chamber of commerce board of directors for the women's business council. Um, I love to give them that way. I mean, I always have ideas, right. And on a board, when you're on the board, you're like, so I have an idea. And they're like, wow, what a great idea. And you're like, thanks. I don't have to execute on it. I can just- That's the best, right? <laughs> it's the best. Um, so yeah, I love being on boards, uh, you know, and then Kind of whatever comes up, you know, we have a turkey drive at Keller Williams and I always have such fun. We grab these big boxes of turkeys and we drive them to the families and actually drop them off, you know, so we donate a certain amount of money and gosh, there's nothing better than that. When you hand somebody something to feed their family and like create a, the best, uh, Thanksgiving is like my favorite thing ever to give that to another family. It's amazing, really. I love, that. I love the paying the electric bill. At that, you know, it's funny. There's a, a, a taco place local to me here. And I saw this article um, of a woman who gave a $2,021 tip to the waitress. What? And it was, I mean, you think about what happened with COVID and restaurants. I mean, I don't know about your area, but where I am, they're still yeah. trying to find people. And I mean, they're busy, but you know, they don't have enough staff and all that stuff. So it's been tough on that industry. And I guess somebody somewhere gave a 2021 tip to somebody. This person read about it and decided to do it, attempted to do it anonymously at this taco place, but the waitress caught her uh, on the way out the door and thanked her. But I thought about that. That'd be a really cool thing to do just in honor of year 2021 and all that people that are working in that industry are doing stuff like that. You paying the electric bill to me feels like that, you know? So even, even when I went to the to the airport, right. And the Uber driver, this guy was up at, I don't know, six o'clock in the morning, taking me to the airport. And I'm like, tell me about what you're doing. He's like, well, my full-time job starts at eight, but I have to get my kids ready at seven. So I can squeeze in one or two runs like early, early morning. And I'm like, tell me about your family. And he like, tell me about it. I'm like in the back, like tears in my eyes. Right. So I get, I get like a hundred. I had a Bob Wells, go abundance, you know, Bob Wells. I do. Yeah. So Bob teaches this financial mastery class based off of Tony's classes. And he always said, keep $300 bills in your wallet at all times. And just know that you always have money. It's like an abundance mindset. So I, I had one of those left. And so I went to leave and I like kind of folded it up so he couldn't see it. And I kind of handed it to him and I'm walking to the airport and I'm just about in the door. And, and he like jumps out of the car. He goes, excuse me, I've never gotten a hundred dollar bill before. He's like, you just changed my life today. I was like, oh my God. So now my tears are really strong. 
mushroom down my face and I'm walking in. But like hearing this guy's story, like, you know, I'm like, you're a great dad. Like, thank you. Thank you for being who you are. You know, I love that. You know what I hear in that though? Cause I'm a New Yorker is like, man, that's a great story. I need to make up and make an extra hundred bucks here and there. I can make that story up too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Meaning being the Uber driver, like I'm oh, my family. And you know, this yeah, lady's going to tip, gonna tip me big. <laughs> I do it. I do the same thing. I completely get it. I completely get it. Um, all right, let's jump over to the final question from the GoBundance card game. The question is, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Wow, that's a great one. Um, the first one that jumps out of my head was I wanted to be a veterinarian. Like, doesn't don't most most kids want to be a vet? I think I wanted to Some be point. a veterinarian. I wanted to like you know fix small animals and just live in the world of puppies and uh, other small animals all day long. Like that's what I thought would be the best job in the entire world was to be able to fix animals. Yeah. yeah I no, I, wanted to be <laughs> not, not the path you chose, but no, and I, you're right. I think every kid at some point wants to be a vet, wants to work with little puppies and kitties and all that stuff. So I completely get it. But where can people learn more about the investment realtor? Where can people find you? Where would you direct folks to either reach out to you or follow your, your content? Yeah. So um, my, the name of my company is Pure Light Reinvest. And um, probably the best way to get a hold of me is just to shoot me an email. You can shoot it to info at I-N-F-O at pure, P-U-R-E, light, L-I-G-H-T group.com. Uh, my, my admin will get that also, which is always helpful to have somebody looking for my emails. My cell phone number is 610-417-4300. So that gets floated out there too. And, you know, you can kind of do some research for Pure Light Properties. I've got a website up on that and kind of see what I've done in the past. Um, haven't updated that in a while, but I'm out there. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Lenore, thanks so much for, for all your time today, for sharing your story and and uh, and going deep on a couple of topics with me. So I appreciate it. Jamie, you're like Oprah, man. You like pulled all this stuff out of me. <laughs> if only I had her net worth. If only. So. Isn't that the path you're on? Come on. Never know. You never know. Think big, right? Big vision. Think so. big. Well, no, thank you Jamie. again. It was an honor. Thank you. The wrong tribe confounds, the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Thank you for tuning in to the GoBundance podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend, an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, GoBundance Champions, five million net worth and above. Number five, GoBundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.